Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Worship and praise the Lord our God. That's what we came here to do, right? I mean, we came here to uplift his name. Um, and I just really love the No place I would rather be uh, than here in your love. And so we just don't want to make it a song. We want to make it a reality in our lives. Um, so let's just praise the Lord. Just thank you, Lord God. We just honor you. We, we worship and praise your, your great name. You're awesome. We just thank you, God. There is no place I'd rather be than here in your presence and in your love. Lord God, we want more of you. We, want, we desire more of you in our lives, more of you in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, Lord God, more of you uh, in this country and in this world. We need more of you, Lord Jesus. And so we just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just be poured out abundantly above all we could ever ask or think in this place and in our lives and in our communities, Lord God, and that we will receive the fruit of that, Lord God. We will see the love and the peace and the grace and the mercy uh, that we will be able to show forth to the world, letting them know that there is a great God that we serve. And so we honor and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We just magnify your name in this place, in this house, corporately. We give your name all the praise and all the glory that it is due. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. The Lord is great in this place. Set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you. Let that be our reality this week. Let that ring in your hearts this week uh, that we want more of him. him. And it is so appropriate, uh, that song, because it kind of goes into, we're going into chapter four. We've been in the book of Acts. Um, so we're in chapter four. Finished obviously chapter three last Sunday, and uh, <laughs> um, we're in chapter four. And we're not going to do the entire chapter. I think that is just presumptuous of me to assume that we're going to do a chapter every Sunday. Uh, but we're going to do uh, four one through twenty-two. Um, and I just want to give you a framework for Acts. Is really a just, and I talked, I did this when we introduced Acts, but I, I want to keep going back to this. Is really it talks about? I think the title is Acts of the Apostles. But it really is acts of the Holy Spirit. And so I want that to be your guidepost um, when we're continually going through acts is that this is really about acts of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing. And think about it so that you can also tap into the Holy Spirit and he can use you in whatever way he sees fit. And so we saw that in chapter 3 when Peter and John were doing, going about their ordinary day. They were going to the temple just as they always do. Um, to pray, and there was an opportunity to be used by the Holy Spirit to perform a miracle uh, in that time. And so, again, your ordinary, uh, I think uh, Laura said her week was ordinary, and it just stuck to me because you can go about your ordinary day, and you serve an extraordinary God. And he can take your ordinary and put it with his extraordinary, and he can perform miracles in your life and in the lives of others. And so just you're going and you're coming, you're in and out, you're going to the supermarket, to your jobs, to class, or whatever you're doing. Uh, God can use that to perform miracles in your life and in the lives of others. So don't always think that you have to be about going to some great mission 
or you're going to go across seas to another country to witness to them. There are people in your neighborhood, there may be people in your own home who need Jesus. And then there's an opportunity for him to perform a miracle about in their lives and in your lives just by, just by doing what is ordinary. And so because of that ordinary act that they did, because of the extraordinary act, the ordinary act that Peter and John was doing, so going to the temple and pray, and the extraordinary act that the Holy Spirit did in their lives in performing a miracle and healing this um, man who was sick, who was lame and couldn't walk since birth. Um, of course, uh, and we don't like to hear this, but when you're doing good, sometimes your good is met with evil. <laughs> and not, not, not everyone wants to see you do good. And it's hard sometimes to realize everyone wants me to do well and prosper. Not everyone wants you to do well and prosper. Uh, definitely the enemy doesn't want you to do well and prosper, but there may be individuals who don't want you to do well and prosper as well. Um, and so because Peter and John disrupted, uh, been used by the Holy Spirit, disrupted the status quo in the temple, there were people who didn't like that. And so that's where we start out in verse 1 of chapter 4. So we're going to jump into it. It says, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, so, the, so Peter was preaching, he ends his message, he was at the end of chapter 3, he was preaching the, a message to the people that had gathered around who saw this miracle and this man was praising God and screaming and jumping because he hadn't walked since birth, he had never walked in his life. And so it was a miracle and they knew it was a miracle because this guy had been there for 40 years. So it wasn't like they were like, oh, well, we don't know this guy, they're just making this up. They knew that this guy was a lame beggar and he had been at this gate all his life. And so they knew this, and they saw this, and says, now as they spoke to the people, Peter and John, uh, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed by what they taught to the people and preached, uh, and, they, and they preached Jesus in the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them. So they jacked these jokers up. And these are the priests. <laughs> Uh, the temple guards, or the captains of the temple, the temple security, and the Sadducees. So these are the religious leaders in that temple. This is not like the world. We can understand that the world is not going to like when we do things uh, that the Lord calls us to do. But sometimes religious people won't like you doing uh, what the Holy Spirit calls you to do. Uh, even mention the Holy Spirit in some circles and be like, what? Wait a minute, that's spooky. Don't say that. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is at work. And so... Uh, so these religious leaders grabbed Peter and John and uh, laid hands on them, as it said in verse 3, and put them into custody, and they stayed overnight. So they threw them in jail. Now, and just imagine, what are they in jail for? What, you know, I don't know that we have the Constitution and we have uh, laws here, and so sometimes we not, don't have an understanding of why they will put someone in jail and they had not performed anything illegal. But to them, it was wrong. And so they put them in jail overnight. Um, so verse 4 says, however, many of those who heard the word believe, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So here we have, and I think uh, Luke is interested in that, in the, even in the midst of this, he's still counting numbers. He, this is the early church, and they're growing. So they started out as 120 on the day of Pentecost, and they grew even on the day, they started out as 120 in the upper room, praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down, like cloven tongues and fire came down, and then they grew by 3,000, so 3,120, if you're keeping track. Uh, and normally they only counted the men, so this is a little bit more because they didn't always count women and children. So it could have been more uh, women 
if you include the women and the children in that number. And so then from there, they've accumulated an additional 2,000. So let's say they counted the 3,000 men. So now they have an additional 2,000 because of the miracle that was performed in chapter 3. Now, I know we talked about this last time, and we'll get it. And it says in uh, chapter 4 that this man was 40 years old. Uh, and so he had been at this gate. He was a fixture at this gate. And so you can imagine, again, that Jesus passed him several times because Jesus was a devout Jew, and he went to the temple. And so you would have thought that he would have missed his opportunity to be healed because Jesus had passed him. And, and so I think the Holy Spirit or the Lord knew how to maximize the opportunities that we have. And what we find as a lost moment or, or we missed out, the Lord is saying, hey, I, I am orchestrating this and I'm utilizing this to my benefit and I'm getting the maximum benefit out of this. And so the glory is that when Peter and John healed him, there were 2,000 believers added, even in that adverse situation. So even in that adverse situation of them jacking those guys up, the, the spiritual leaders coming in and saying, hey, you can't do this. God is still blessing and moving. And so even in our lives sometimes, right, that we can, things can look disarrayed or it can look like, man, this is not looking good for me. I'm getting, I'm being thrown in jail. This is, um, this is the first account after Jesus where persecution is hitting the church. This is the first account where persecution, persecution is hitting the church. And this persecution is coming from religious leaders, not from the world. And they're going to get the world involved in this. And in the next 300 years, this is probably where the church has ineffectively had the worst persecution ever. I mean, they killed, they hung, they tried to destroy the good news of Jesus from spreading. And you would think that they would not be as concerned because, again, this was a youth movement. These apostles, as we think of them as old guys, but these were young guys in their 20s. They were a youth movement. There were a lot of young people, a lot of excitement around them, but they were just 5,000 at this point. And before then, they were just 3,000. And so why were these leaders, you have to think to yourself, why were they so afraid of this small group of people? What could they do? These are established leaders within the church who have been established for years. Why am I concerned about these young people talking about this Jesus? Let them talk about them. They knew the power that was going to be displayed. And they knew that it was, would disrupt what they had going on. And so, so many times, even in our own mind, we, we don't want to recognize the power because we don't want it to disrupt what we have going on. And I, I was initially hard about these religious leaders. I kind of was like, oh, man, these are, these are religious leaders. These are the Sadducees. And, and so why were they so hard-pressed against what the Lord was going to do? You would think they would be open to it. And then the Lord convicted me and says, you're not open to all that I want to do in your life. It's just me. <laughs> he said, you can be like these religious leaders. You're not always open to what I want to do in your life. Because you think you know best, right? It's just me. I know it's me. He speaks to me first, and then y'all just get what I, I get during the week. But I am not too far from these religious leaders in that the Lord wants to use me mightily, but I limit it because uh, that's not for me. I'm sure these religious leaders said, that's not for us. Come put that stuff away. That, my time has passed. But God has said, no, 
your time has passed, or you're too old, or, or you're too whatever the case, or you're too young, you're too old, you're too in between, whatever it is, you're too tall, you're too short, whatever the whatever it is you have going on, the Lord is saying he can use you. And our best example, again, is Peter. Peter, who was a couple of months denying Jesus, is now being used by the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and winning souls. He's not just a fisherman of fish anymore, but he's a fisherman of men for real. So here we have him, the religious leaders. So um, I want to focus on the Sadducees for a moment. The Sadducees, so initially during Jesus' time, you heard about the Sadducees some, but you mainly heard about the Pharisees, and they were different from the Sadducees. And the Sadducees came on the scene more so now because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Now, you would think, how in the world that they were religious leaders and did not believe the resurrection? Well, that was new, right? It was like, why would we believe that? So the Sadducees um, did not believe in the resurrection. They denied the resurrection of the dead. They did not believe in the afterlife. So they thought when you die, that was it. There was no heaven. There was no hell. It was sad. You see. <laughs> I had to say it, y'all. It was sad. I had to. I mean, it was there. I, I got to say it. <laughs> they denied the existence of the spiritual world. They didn't believe in angels and demons. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, were they even saved, right? And, uh, this is commonplace nowadays. But there are some believers, I, I, I use that word loosely, who don't believe, you know, who don't believe in miracles. No, that was for that time. We, we are limiting the Holy Spirit when we, again, have our religious beliefs and are not open to what the Lord wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. The Sadducees worked hard to keep the peace by agreeing with the decisions of Rome, uh, and they seemed to be more concerned about politics than religion. That's a word right there, y'all. <laughs> They seemed to be more concerned about politics than religion. So they curried favor with the Roman uh, leaders at that time. And they were considered the upper class. And they were considered more liberal. The Pharisees were very conservative. Uh, they, you had to keep all the rules. They were just a stickler for rules and, and what, what went on in the temple. And so that's why they had it. And so both these parties had an issue with Jesus. One of them because... He wasn't liberal enough, <laughs> and the other because he wasn't conservative enough, because they didn't like Jesus hanging out with these sinners. You know, they found fault in Jesus doing miracles on the Sabbath on the Sabbath day. Like, hey, you can't do that. They were fine. They knew the rules. They knew the law, and Jesus didn't follow their rules and laws, and so they had an issue with Jesus. And here it is now. These Sadducees didn't like Jesus and his followers for other reasons, mainly because of a resurrection. And so. The number of men, again, we're at 5,000. So the Sanhedrin, again, these are the, the lead, the Sanhedrin. Let me get to verse, uh, let me go to verse 5. It says, Then it came to pass on the next day uh, that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, uh, Cephas, John, and Alexander, and many uh, as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst of them, so they came bombarding them. And by what power? And they asked, by what power and by what name have you done this? And this, this is the healing of the lame man at the gate. Then Peter, it says, been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Don't you love the Holy Spirit <laughs> and his filling? And it is not just for Peter, but it is also for you as well. Then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. So Peter is fighting words, man. He, putting it, he laid it out there. So he's already saying, all right, so he's been filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says, you're going to judge us for healing somebody. We all knew that this guy was lame and on, at the gate, and now you're going to get on us for healing this guy? Are you crazy? I'm sure that's what he wanted to say. I'm taking some, uh, <laughs> some liberties with the text here, but uh, I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, you are the same people who crucified Jesus, and now you're here trying to crucify us for what we just did. And he said, it is in his name that he is made whole. And so I'm sure this, again, got to the point that they didn't like the resurrection, and so Jesus is throwing it right in their face that he is crucified because he, uh, Jesus is crucified and is now raised from the dead, and this man is standing because of what he did his life and his death and his resurrection. So again, the Sadducees, I'm sure they're burning in their hearts, angry and upset about Peter and the good deed that he has done. But what could they say, right? It's like, what can we say? This is the truth. Uh, This is the stone which you, so verse 11, it says, this is the stone which you rejected by the builders, which had had become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any of us. So then even Peter goes on to, about the exclusivity of Jesus. He says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there no other name under heaven given among men by which ye must be saved. So Peter is, he's landed on thick. He is reading them. <laughs> if he could be read. Uh, he is telling them, Jesus is the only way to salvation. So not by your way, not by your unbelief, not by any other name can he be saved, not by the Romans, but only through him is their salvation. And so, again, the Sanhedrin was these leaders that was there. Again, they were the ones that crucified Jesus. And here they are getting a reading from Peter. And think about this. Peter wasn't at the crucifixion because he was too busy denying Jesus. So the same Jesus he was denying even to a little girl, this timid Peter, or this afraid Peter who wouldn't accept Jesus then is now before these rulers now. Here's his opportunity now to defend the Jesus he did not or was not able to defend before. Doesn't God like make things go full circle, man? This is so good. And he's given him the opportunity now to defend him. And he knew, and Jesus had faith in him. He knew it would come. And Jesus has faith in you. And knowing that you can be used by him as well. And so uh, there's a story about the chief cornerstone, uh, the builders rejecting. This is repeated out of, I think, a song. Um, I think 118, I think we'll, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, 118, 22 talks about the chief storm, the cornerstone that the builders rejected. And so if you, it says here in my research, it talked about how when they were building the temple, they didn't want to cut the stones right by the temple. 
And so they had a quarry that was far away, and then they would cut the stones. And then they would cut the stones, and they would send it to the temple. And I guess they had someone t- keeping track of the stones that they were sending. And so when they got farther along, and, and so they got this stone, and they didn't know where it went. And so they would send these old stones that were unused, or they didn't, couldn't figure out, or the wrong size, or whatever the case may be. They would um, send it off in, in a, a pit somewhere, far away from the temple. And so what had happened was that they got further along in their building of the temple, that they realized, hey, we're missing a stone. And it's one of the, the chief cornerstones. Where is that stone? So they go back to the quarry and tell the quarry leader, hey, we're missing the stone. And he said, well, I sent that stone to you guys months ago. You should already have that. It's one of the chief cornerstones. And so then in their research, they say, oh, you know what? We threw that stone away. We know where it is. And so an, uh, so the, that rejection of the stone goes to, hey, we is a stone that we threw away. And now we must go back and get that stone and then put it in its appropriate place. So that's where that chief cornerstone comes from. And that stone was rejected. And you can do some research and find out if that's an accurate story or not, but that's what I saw. <laughs> I thought it was good. And so sometimes, so we can't feel rejected as well, but in the appropriate time, they're going to need you. <laughs> you're going to get that stone. Nor is salvation in any other name. So, Go to, let's see, uh, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Again, this is the same Peter who wasn't in front of them before. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled. Because these are, these are guys who are fishermen. They're not, they didn't go to the best schools. They don't have a Ph.D. behind their name. They don't have an MBA or whatever you may have, a theological degree. They didn't have any of that. They were uneducated and untrained in these guys, and they marveled. They were like, how is he able to take the Scripture and bring such revelation to it? And they realized that they had been with Jesus. So that's what I want to sit on today, (laughs) is that have you been with Jesus? Are able are people able to realize by the boldness in you that you've been with Jesus? Are people able to see the change in your life that you've been with Jesus? Or do they think you're just like everyone else? The boldness means lucid and daring statement. In the Greek, the word is parousia. I'm mispronouncing it. It means telling it all. And did not Peter just tell it all? His preaching, he told it all. He gave it to them. And so that boldness and the endeavor to tell it all, to be a witness, have you been with Jesus? Sadly, when Christians become strong and powerful uh, and when Christianity became an institution, too often Christians were the ones who were arresting people and telling them to be quiet and threatening them with violence and sometimes carrying it out. This is evidenced by what one said had been with Jesus. Is this evidence of if someone has been with Jesus? So now when Christianity becomes uh, an institution years, hundreds of years later, we are the ones carrying out and, and snatching up people and saying, you need to be quiet. 
And this is the persecution that they were, the early church were receiving. And not saying that, uh, especially in the, in, in the Western world, we, we don't, I mean, let's be honest, we don't know persecution, y'all. We do not know persecution. Um, and, and I'm not to make light of people not liking you, and you may not get a job or an opportunity here. You know, you may not even be able to draw the direct line between, well, I was a Christian and this is why they did this. Um, but maybe you have been, and so maybe you are persecuted. Uh, but not to the degree that the early church was, and not even to the degree that churches abroad are being persecuted. I mean, people are losing their lives, their lives, for believing in Jesus. Again, I, I told the story before about how uh, they got, I think it was in the church in China, had not a whole Bible. It was like a portion of a Bible. And they were so excited just to get a portion of the word. And we throw Bibles away. We got Bibles upon Bibles sitting in our homes and we don't even read them. And they are excited about just getting like a sliver of some ripped pages of the word of God. And they were rejoicing because they had that. And so, yeah, I'm not not to make light of anyone's persecution, but um, just really get an understanding of what that meant for them. Their lives were at stake. And they and sometimes we take that lightly, but they were willing to do. They were willing to follow Jesus. If it meant death, so be it. You know. If it meant me losing my status, so be it. I want more. We just say, I want more of him. (laughs) And sometimes with that more of him becomes you losing your status with the world. So be it, right? If I have Jesus, I don't need anything else, right? I've been, have you been with Jesus? They have been with Jesus. It is inspiring to know that the source of the disciples' boldness and confidence was not anything in themselves, but a direct result of them spending time with Jesus. By living with him and communing with him, they became like him. It was inevitable. For three years, they sat at his feet. They followed him from town to town. They acted as his deputies. For three years, he trained them. And for three years, they became increasingly more like him, even if they didn't realize it. They walked with him in the wisdom that he had, and they became more like him. And so, let's ask ourselves, what, what is the mark of us becoming more like him? One, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And not just filled, but led by the Holy Spirit. So, many of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, we got an impartation of the Holy Spirit when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, he filled me, but we need a continual filling for sure, and we'll see that later on in, in uh, chapter 4. We'll get to that next time. But we need to be filled and led. And so many times we stop with being filled and forget the leading. It's like a dance, you know, a part, you're your partner, and the Holy Spirit is your partner. But you're telling the Holy Spirit, I want to lead. <laughs> let me lead in this dance. And the Holy Spirit is he's a gentleman, so he's going to let you lead. But he's so, he dances so much better than you. <laughs> you could be so much better if you let him lead. But yet we're still stepping on his toes and saying, I got this. You know, I can do the two-step. Come on. Come with me in the Holy Spirit and say, man, I can do the waltz. I can do it all if you let me lead. But we won't let him lead. Also, another mark of being with Jesus, because we have that opportunity. The, uh, the disciples had that opportunity, of course. But now we have the opportunity 
one to be filled and led by the Spirit, but also to spend time in your word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John 8, 31. So we need to spend time in this word. Spend time in this word. <laughs> spend time in this word. That's for me as well. Spend time in the word of God. Uh, and also speak with boldness and confidence. It did not take into account that you were introvert. It never said, I never saw that in the Bible anywhere, that because you're an introvert, that, that excuses you from being bold and, and, and being a witness. Does it say that anywhere? Did anybody find it? Maybe it's, maybe it's later in Acts. We'll get to it later, of course. <laughs> Speaks with boldness and confidence. Um, and, and so many times we don't want to speak with boldness and confidence because we haven't been in the Word. But I think sometimes we, um, and, and I agree, I think you should be in the Word, not, not negating that at all. But I'd rather you know Jesus than, and know him experientially, knowing him that way. And I want you to know the Word as well, but knowing the Word, because there are people who know the Word but don't know Jesus. And they can quote Scripture but don't know it, have it lived out in their lives. And so I want you to know him and not just know of him or know the word about him, but know him, experience him, live with him, breathe, let him be in you and you in him. So know the word, but also. And so with, with that boldness and uh, confidence, I think that comes with uh, an atmosphere or an understanding that um, you can tell your story. The best witness you have is your changed life. The best testimony you have is your change of life. You can quote all the scriptures, which are great. You, if you can, that's wonderful. You can, you know, quote them all and give them all the scriptures. But the best testimony that you can give someone is that my life has changed. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. That's the testimony that you can speak with boldness and confidence. You don't need anybody to write that down for you because that's in you. And they can say, hey, you can say, man, I used to be like you. And look at my life now. I did not arrive looking like this. Maybe some of you did, but I didn't. <laughs> I was a mess. But God changed me. And look at what he did in my life. And this is the witness that I have, that I can speak with boldness and confidence because it's my story. And you can say, hey, look, and if you don't believe it, ask so-and-so and so. They knew me 20 years ago. They knew the mess I was in two years ago or whatever. However, whatever your testimony is, that is what you can speak with boldness and confidence. Another mark of being with Jesus is obedience to God, even when facing death, threats, and intimidation. So I, I pray that, um, is it pre, post? I don't know where people are. It's not important. But uh, we, we hope that we are gone before the trial comes so we're not tested and if we're going to be obedient until our death. <laughs> so I don't know if some of us make it, you know. I talked about, I read something where Nero or one of the Roman kings would take animal skin and flesh, and we may get into this in later in Acts, and put it over the Christians' bodies and have wild animals come and eat them while they're running away from them. Because he didn't want the word to be spread. 
I said, Lord, please don't, please take me before uh, someone, someone is wrapping me in animal skin, and I got to run from wild dogs eating at my flesh and screaming. Yeah, please take me, Lord. <laughs> but yeah, that's what they were doing with the early Christians. Those horrible things they were doing, beheadings, and we'll get into, we'll see some of that later in Acts. But they wouldn't. They the enemy did not want to see the word of God and the people of God grow and prosper. But even in the midst of all that adversity, uh, they still grew. And then ultimately, God is glorified. You want the ultimate thing here in the Peter and, and the John speaks to this is that they didn't take any. This is not credit that I can take. God is glorified in this. And so uh, 14, let's go there. He said, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Right. He said, look. This is the man, this is the evidence standing right here before us, and he's standing with them. We can't say anything. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle had, has been done through them and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Everyone saw this man. He was at this gate. We can't deny it. It's notable. And instead of saying, well, let's just believe, let's question our thoughts, and let's, see, let's be open to this Jesus that they're talking about. Uh, but in 17, it says, but so that this spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that for now on they speak to no man in this name. It's crazy. But how much more do we not believe the God when he tells us the things that he wants to do in our lives? And instead of us opening ourselves up to it, sometimes we deny it just like these Sadducees here. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but Peter and John answered and said to them, Peter and John were just bold, right? They bold, they confident, they got this new Holy Spirit on the scene. They are rocking it. So they say, <laughs> they say, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Their testimony. And so they're they telling them to their face, we're going to tell it. <laughs> yes. I know that you, do, you guys have threatened us, but even in the face of your threats, we're not standing down. We're not backing down. We're going to share what we have seen and heard. And that's all the Lord wants you to do is just share what you have seen and heard in your own life, in the lives of those who are around you. That is your testimony, your witness, that you can speak with boldness and confidence to others. So when they had further threatened them, <laughs> so even they came back, they said, we cannot speak the things but what we have seen and heard. Then these religious leaders threatened them even more. And I can imagine they said, hey, we're going to put you in jail. We're going to kill you. We're going to do whatever. Don't do it. And they might have thrown some punches in. I'm sure there were some, some you know, crazy zealots out there who, who believed so wholeheartedly in what they were believing in. Even in the face of what they were seeing, the evidence is right in front of them. They were like, no, no. So they further threatened them. Uh, finding no way of punishing them because the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. And so, again, the Sadducees, 
uh, where the upper, cra- upper class, uh, the Pharisees were more common class, and they were the working class believers uh, of that time, and they worked in the temple. And a lot of times, again, as I said before, the Sadducees curried favor with the Romans, but they also did, they want to be liked. And so because the people wanted it, they knew they couldn't do anything to them. Because they said, oh, all the people saw this, and they are praising God, and we can't go against what the people said because we want to be liked. Um, and so, yeah. And that just like religious people. <laughs> uh, verse 22, uh, punishing them, verse 21, uh, because the people, since they had glorified God for what they had been done. And 22, for the man who was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So they let them go in verse 23. Uh, So, yeah. So, again, in the face of adversity, God is glorified. 2,000 more people became believers. Peter got to preach Jesus to the leaders of the Jews. Uh, Hostility. They knew that they were going to be met with hostility early on. They saw that. Uh, The enemies of Jesus were confused. Peter and John became bolder for Jesus than ever before. And, again, God is glorified. In the midst. That's all I have for you today. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. I do want you to be encouraged, even again, this lame man, 40 years dealing with this, uh, and the Lord changed his situation in a matter in mere moments. So, whatever you may be dealing with, whatever you may have going on in your life, and you may feel like, oh, I've been dealing with this for a long time, just know that the Lord can change it like that. Another fun fact, <laughs> before we move on, they, so in some of my study, they said that Paul may have been a part of this, this uh, religious leader. So the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the temple uh, priests, uh, Paul may have been a part of those people making that decision since he was in that area at that time. So he may have, this is just speculation, been a part of that group of people in hearing the gospel and got on fire for what? Wanting to kill the believers, too. And he will be later transformed or converted, and we'll read about that later on. Amen. Sense of your feet. Praise the Lord. God is good. His word is so precious. Again, have you been with Jesus? I want you to just continue to think about that this week. Um, and, and encourage you to, if your devotion time was lacking before, you know, you know hey, I want to I do a Maybe once a week. Everyone's not, everyone's not going to do seven, seven, seven out of seven every day. That would be great. I'm not doing seven out of seven every day. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but if you do five out of seven, six out of seven, have some time. You're getting with the Lord, spending some time with him, gleaning from him, learning from him, so that you can be more like him. So that when things come up in the world, um, if, if, a pail is, if it's a pail of water and you hit that pail, water is going to come out. And so many times we have other stuff in us, and so when we get hit, other stuff come out. That's not godly. Uh, but we want to feel that with love and joy and peace. And so when those trials come, come, we have love and joy and peace to show. It comes out of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for just loving us and and being with us on today, we thank you for uh, just desiring more of you. We pray that you just continue to prick our hearts so that we 
become more like you. We seek you and we search you and we uh, press into you even the more. The serious times that we live in, and so we don't want to take it lightly, we just pray that you will just cover us and be with us and keep us and keep our hearts leaning towards you, Lord God. Allow your Holy Spirit to lead in this dance we call life. We just pray that your Holy Spirit will just lead us. We just thank you and we bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace on today. God bless. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.